have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod. Sean Richardson here with you, joined by Yash Doshi and Rohan Niranjan on a podcast where the Warriors are one win away from the NBA Finals. I think that none of us are really like that surprised to see it happen but at the same time it's like it's like oh my god you know the dynasty it's it's been here to stay they got a little setback with the injuries over the last two seasons but you know I I wrote about this too every single you know season the Warriors have been in the postseason or the playoffs they've made the NBA finals since 2015 so to kind of just see it happen again Golden State in the finals it's a very fitting kind of thing and I know that it's still premature to say it's not happening until that fourth win kind of happens but at this point in time you know no team in NBA history has come back down from 3-0 in a playoff series but I hope that nobody backtracks this podcast if the Mavs win this series in seven because I promise you I'm not the curse everything good that happens to Golden State is because Yash would be present at a Warriors game, but everything bad that would happen too is if Yash is going to say something about Golden State. Hey, I, I said Mavs and, or I said Warriors in five and y'all <laughs> were like, no, the Mavs, hey, they just beat the Suns and hey, I know, hey, I, know, hey. I definitely know Rohan this is was coming from the same person that said the Suns are going to sweep the Mavs, but, but, hey, I said, I, said I will say, five. I did okay, say it but was regardless, a here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Rohan can completely back me up on this. I think one thing that we all can safely say, though, is on this podcast is that we have never questioned the Warriors playoff success. We all have absolutely had them going to the NBA finals up to this point based on the matchups coming. Maybe at the beginning of the start of the playoffs, we weren't like, oh, Warriors locked for the NBA finals. You know, that's never, you know, the mentality I feel that any one of us really had going into this postseason. But as the matchups kind of came upon and Golden State kept on moving forward, we're like, all right, Golden State's going to win the series. All right, next round. Golden State's going to win this series, so on and so forth. The only difference I think that could have been is that there's a difference between Golden State winning the series and Golden State, hey, they're going to come out and absolutely dominate the series, you know? And um, quite frankly, in, in my mind, you know, I spoke about this last podcast too, Yash. I know that you ultimately said Warriors in five. Me and Rohan stuck with Warriors in six because I full fully wholeheartedly would have not been surprised if Golden State got out to the 3-1 lead and closed out at home as they rightfully should in five. Whereas, you know, there was a chance that, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're Golden State Warrior fans going to hit the panic button if it was a tied series at, uh, to a piece after four games. Yeah, sure. You know, they probably would have, but I still would have not, like, you know, questioned what Golden State was going to do from there on out. Because then after that, it just became, you know, let's turn this up a notch, close it out in six at that point. Right now, yeah. Five seems very, very, very logical because given the Mavs, the game is, I think, like, you know, respectful at best. But at the same time, it's like, hey, like a sweep could seriously happen here. Uh, Loki, I think all of this is kind of moot point because the way Luca was talking in his postgame interviews after game three, the way Jason Kidd were answering their questions, I think. The series is like wrapped, wrapped. I think the Warriors are going to go in there tomorrow night and just end this. I genuinely don't think the Mavericks have a chance tomorrow because yesterday night was just so demoralizing for them that Luca came out in the post game and he basically said, I'm only 23 years old. I'm going to learn from this. It's my first time in the Western Conference Finals. And so much respect to Luca for what he's done. But to me, that was a concession of defeat only after three losses, which is kind of weird to see because usually people say that stuff after you lose four games in a series, not three. So 
in my mind, mentally, Luca's drained. I think physically he's also drained and the Mavericks are cooked. The Warriors, like, like we've been talking, I think the entire world's been talking, the Warriors are basically in the finals and we can start to like, you know, focus on the other side of the bracket to see who they're going to face. But I mean, I just want to give like props to the entire Warriors organization. Cause like, I know Sean said, we all expected them to win with the Nuggets. We expected them to win with the Grizzlies. And I think this was one of the easier series. Dare I say it was a warm-up round for the Warriors. But coming into the season, there were so many question marks. And, like, we're still in the damn finals again. And I know Kobe Bryant, job's not finished. We still have four more wins or five more wins to get. But it feels so good to be one of the final two teams. And now we got to beat either Miami or Boston, whichever it has to be. And Steph, Clay, Dre get their third, JP and Wiggs get their first. Like as a Warriors fan, I'm so excited and I'm slowly like starting to taste that. And I'm like, I can't wait till the finals. I know we're not previewing it today, but that pod's going to be legendary. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, it's basically we're, we're in the finals, but um, I, I still feel like the Mavs have to at least come out and show some fight in game four. Right. And then make it a gentleman's sweep, maybe. Warriors finish at home and that might be better for the home crowd but you know just overall uh just recapping the series I really feel like the Mavs should have really won game two I think that was kind of the turning point in the series when Golden State came back down from you know about 20 uh and the Mavs were shooting I believe 52 percent from three in the first half which is absolutely crazy as a team um and you know we were saying like there was going to be one of those games where the Mavs role players win it for them but when you crumble like that in the second half, especially midway through the third going into the fourth, that is just a sign of like an inexperienced playoff uh, team in the playoffs, inexperienced young team, you know, a new head coach, not his first time in the playoffs, but at the same time, he's still learning to work around the team. Um, and, you know, this all goes out to how the NBA is really a two-man league. You need to kind of have at least somewhat of a second star to compete and really compete for championships. You know, a generational player like Luka can only take you so far. Um, and he's been phenomenal this series, averaging like 35 and 8 and 6, I believe. So props to Luka, props to the Mavs. But like Yash said, I think this one's over. Um, respectfully over, I think. Uh, I still feel like they have to at least win one game. Like they've come this far, but with the momentum rolling Golden State's way, it's just hard for me to say that. Wait, so are you calling fours and four or five? Uh, I'll say I'll say four now, but I I think Yash was like on the dot with five before the series. But I think with the way it's going now, the momentum might just be too much for the Mavs to overcome. And like you said, post game they didn't sound. I mean, you're obviously going to sound deflated in that kind of a must win game, game three. You're down two zero, but the way they were sounding it was sounding like the series was already over when there's still like one more game that they have to win. And I think that's kind of a mentality of a younger team where they don't know how to take their blows the right way. Right. And then you kind of get hit in the mouth a couple of times and you, you know, lose out in a must win game that really uh, hurts your psyche. So I think mentally going into game four, they're going to be shot. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Mavs this season, they really remind me of the Hawks last year, you know, how they kind of went on this, you know, magical postseason run, if you will. And I know the Hawks had a little bit more of a formidable playoff exit, if you will, than the Mavs are about to have. Have that be a sweep or a gentleman sweep, regardless the series. The point is it's not close. Um, but I think that it's just really weird, you know, with that entire saga of the Trey Young, Luca trade and everything and how they're kind of in back-to-back seasons, um, you know, kind of making a conference finals appearance and, you know, 
putting their face in the NBA. They, they already have, but I think just establishing themselves as those, one of those top superstars in the league, um, if you will. But, you know, Luca, you know, going off of mainly what Yash was saying over here about how, like, uh, you know, he's kind of just tapped out of the series, all that stuff. Like, yeah, I get it. It's kind of like he's put up that white surrender flag and, you know, he's two and six in the postseason when he scores 40 or more points and he's dropped 40 plus points in two games this series. I believe game two was the one that, you know, Rohan just alluded to um, and the most recent in game three. So that's back to back games where Lucas had a 40 point night. Um, and, you know, at that point in time, like, you know, the fact that he also has a plus minus of minus 61 in the series. And then you have Andrew Wiggins, who leads the series as a plus 66. It's just so much you can do um as 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 you know as a star on on the Mavericks but one thing that I do want to point out is that um regarding like the teams that are left and the players that are left in in the postseason between Steph Curry Jimmy Butler Jason Tatum and Luca the number of teams that they've had that have been named to the all to as an um as an all-star Steph has four Jimmy Butler has three Jason Tatum has two Luca has zero and in Luca's career He's only had one teammate that has made the all-star game. And that was Dirk Nowitzki in 2019, which was just a special edition by Adam Silver. So, you know, get Luca help is an understatement. And yes, I'm all for, you know, if you, if you have a star that's averaging 30 points per game, that's great. But you got to have a guy that's averaging the low 20s to go along with that to be successful in, in the league. Or better yet, you have to have two stars averaging in the mid 20s to high 20s if you want to be successful. Um, in in the NBA, I feel down the stretch. But um, one more thing that I did want to talk about over here was this playoff and experience. Like I think that that's something that we've rode on for every single team playing Golden State, except the Nuggets. I think you know the Nuggets in the first series. It was just like you know what Golden State is blatantly the better team. But when they played the Grizzlies, when they're playing the Mavs, the series, the main argument was, hey, they're great, but they're young. And, you know, and when you're young and you're going up against a team like Golden State, like you, you need to know that they are the juggernaut. I don't care if they're the eighth seed, the seventh seed, third seed in this case, it doesn't matter. You need to treat them like they are they are the reigning champions every single year that they come into the postseason at this point in time. Um, and the and the Dallas Mavericks this season, or sorry, this series, my apologies, from three-point range when they're on open threes against the Suns, they were shooting 40%. Against Golden State, they're shooting 32%. It's the same shot. It's an open three-pointer. I genuinely believe it's this mental thing that's there for Dallas. where they're, I don't know if they're playing scared. They're clearly not playing smart. Um, and that's not just on Luka. It goes for the entire team. They've been out-rebounded by 140 rebounds this entire postseason, not just this, this series alone. But like this series, you can see how aggressive Golden State has been playing. You know, Rohan, once again, how he's talking about game two. Golden State was down 19 points to erase that comeback and absolutely dominate down the stretch the way that Steph absolutely took over that game um, in the, in the fourth quarter, a couple of possessions over there. So right now it's like, there's no stopping Steph. If clay gets hot, you're in trouble. Jordan Poole, as, as um, Rohan would say is a non-factor or as Yash would say has returned back down to earth this series for the most part. But that, that is what it is. But one thing, like last thing I want to say, I know go on and on about Golden State, but last thing that I want to say personally is how happy I am to see Andrew Wiggins, man. Like this guy, I think that when the trade happened to Golden State, like, you know, you guys know me, I'm not a Warriors fan. And I know that, you know, Kevin Durant, my favorite player, you know, he left. Andrew Wiggins was supposed to be that guy. Not to, not to say that, oh, 
you're going to come in and you're going to be, you're going to be Kevin Durant. No, they wanted him to be Andrew Wiggins. They wanted him to fit into the role and do what he does best, which is, which is what he's doing right now. You know, adapting to the role of a key two-way player on this team and kind of buy into the mentality that everyone else has, you know, keep in mind, he doesn't have a ring. I believe this is just his second postseason. His first was with, of course, Jimmy Butler on the Timberwolves. We saw how that ended a couple years ago, but you know what Andrew Wiggins is doing right now? I think that this is what a lot of people envision him to do, especially me. I felt like he has so much untapped potential. And the fact that he's doing that right now, like on both ends of the floor, and you know how we were talking on the last podcast about Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins as the two names to keep an eye on when guarding Luca. I know that Luca's still gone for 40 a night, but I think that, you know, he's come with the key stops when he needed to, I feel more times than not. And for, for the team to be in this position, and I think that Andrew Wiggins kind of come in into his own more than Jordan Poole is, is a scary sight for whoever they're going to be playing in the NBA finals. I just want to like kind of push that Andrew Wiggins point forward because when he was in Minnesota, he wasn't just like, he wasn't the same player, but he was actually considered like a bad player because of the contract, because of his expectations. He was the first overall pick or for a reason people thought he was going to change that franchise and just no knock on him, but that's just not the player he is. He wasn't ever able to really push Minnesota out of like, you know, the depths of the NBA, but he got the trade of his life. He got moved to an organization that actually wants to win. And he got the chance to learn from genuine winners who have actually accomplished things in the NBA, an organization that has won. And I think this is like proof, not just in like basketball, but in like the real world. If you get like an organization that cares about winning and success, that mental difference is all that matters because now I'm so happy that Andrew Wiggins gets the national spotlight. All these national ESPN, House of Highlights, Sports Center, all of them are talking about Andrew Wiggins. That dunk last night. Hey, and the fanalist.live. Come on. Don't and the fanalist.live. Major sports <laughs> publications. That too. That too. <laughs> that that dunk last night basically ended the Mavs season I think that was so well timed and every Mavs fan sitting there after they saw Luka get dunked on by Andrew Wiggins like that I think they knew it was over I think Luka knew it was over and then to like the Warriors fans and the Warriors players I think that was the jolt of energy that they needed to basically wrap this series up so huge huge shout out to him but Again, I've said this again. I, I want to say it again. Job's not finished. He still has to take it even one step further. The finals are going to be an even harder task. Maybe Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, whoever he has to guard will be so important to if the Warriors can finally finish out this championship. I think Wiggins has easily been the second best player on the team uh, behind Steph this entire playoff series um, and the run in general. And yeah, I want to give credit to him as well, but also to Kevon Looney. You know, he's been having like, he had, you know, his highest scoring game since college, I believe in game two. You know, he's been rebounding the ball like an absolute monster. And it just kind of shows like at the beginning of his career, he had so many injuries and he dealt with so many, so much adversity. And he's finally overcome that and come into his own. And, you know, you know, there's a reason Steve Kerr loves this guy. He plays hard defense. He, re he rebounds the ball. He plays the game in a right way, in a sense. So, you know, shout out to those two who have really just stepped up big time this uh, this postseason compared to guys like Clay and Drake who have been a little bit underwhelming. But that's kind of shows the culture of the Warriors. Like it, it is they did build their foundation back in 2015 on strength and numbers, right? Um, and that kind of shows up next man up. They've dealt with injuries with Otto Porter, Gary 
Kane the second, Iguodala, but they've still fought back. So this team is built for the championship. They do have championship DNA, and you know, hope to see it in the next round, um, barring any major comebacks. You know, it's also just so weird is that this just kind of gives shades of what Golden State was the last time they were in the postseason. You know, in 2019, how um, you know, uh, I believe it was the Portland Trailblazers and the Nuggets. They had a hard fought seven game series. Then the Blazers go and they take on the Warriors in the conference finals in 2019. And, you know, we saw how that ended. Golden State just came out and swept them. So could this be kind of like that? And then keep in mind, I know Golden State did play the Raptors that season in the finals. But, hey, I mean, is Kyle Lowry a close second to that? He's basically basically Toronto at heart, I guess. But we're going to see how things pan out, obviously. Yeah, but, but the Warriors lost that season, so hopefully it doesn't happen. I know, yet. yeah. No, see, I'm not saying that this is about loss. I, I, I just talked about right now. Let's not let's not get into wins and losses for the finals just yet. Again, job's not finished, barring Mavs and seven, something crazy happening in the Western Conference. But, um, you know, moving on to the to the Eastern Conference uh, over here, you know, I think the good thing for Golden State that we, we you know, have to completely hit on over here is that they get to rest. You know, they, they close out, they get to rest. They'll let the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, you know, go to seven games for all that Golden State cares, you know, let them let them rest up, let them get ready to roll for the, for the finals. But, you know, we're, we know this is obviously going to be a six-game series. It's tied up at 2-2 apiece. Um, and quite frankly, the way that things are going, um, it's 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 pretty wild. You know, the biggest lead in each game this series, look at this, game one, the Heat by 20 points. Game two, the Celtics by 34. Game three, the Heat by 26. Game four, the Celtics by 32. So it's always been lopsided games for the most part. And the way that things have gone, as I just read down that list, the team that has had those leads in these games has ended up winning. So it's gone Heat, Celtics, Heat, Celtics. By this trend, it's probably going to go Heat, Celtics, Heat, probably Heat in seven. I don't know. Um, I, I'm still riding with the Celtics in six. I, I don't want to change my pick on that. I still feel like they are the better team. I have been kind of surprised, but I think on, on both fronts on how, you know, games have ended, you know, like game three was absolutely ridiculous. Jason Tatum having 10 points, having three shots, six turnovers, um, kind of ridiculous. You can't be really having more turnovers than assists or shots made um, in a playoff game. And I alluded to that on my own account. But, um, you know, for him to bounce back, drop a uh, game high, 31 points tonight, just shows what he can do. But at the same time, it's like, what are you doing, Miami? You know, you how, how are you down 32 points in this game? You were up 26 last game at some point. So it's been a very lopsided series. It's really not what any of us really hope for. I think that the fact at the end of the day is, yes, it's tied 2-2. We are getting a longevity of a series but it's really not the quality of games that we really hope for and we wanted so i i hope that this is really the turning point in the series where you know it's tied up 2-2 once again now it's going to be switching up game to game you know we're going to miami we're going to boston we're going to miami to close this out right if there is a game seven of course but you know jason tatum you know the boston Celtics they're five and oh following a loss uh, jason tatum is 32 has scored 32.6 points per game in each of those games after a loss this postseason. So if that's what it takes for the Celtics to really wake up, um, well, they got to figure it out. Cause I think that game five, um, like we all have talked about, what was it like the stat, like 83% of the winners in game five go on to win the series. So, you know, quite frankly, that could really go either or way because if Miami wins that game at home, they're like, I, right, we're going to close this in six in Boston. Whereas if Boston wins that game, that's a huge turning point, I think, for Boston's favor, where, you know, they can close that out at home. Because that's that's a little bit more upside to me, I feel, if um, compared to Miami. Because I think if Miami wins game five 
I would bet on Boston forcing seven. And then, you know, we're going to see how that pans out. Whereas if Boston forces game or goes into game six um, and with the win, of course, in game five, I could totally envision Boston closing that out in six. You know, I've been so disappointed with the Eastern Conference Finals so far. Like, it's just been so boring to watch as a fan. Like, like Sean said, all of these games, they've been basically blowouts. And even today's game, I think the Heat were down 18 or 19 to 1 with like two minutes to go in the first quarter. That was that was the epitome of how bad this series has gone. And I just hope that game five, game six, and possibly maybe if we get a game seven are actually at least worth watching. Maybe if it's not like a down to the wire game, maybe 10, 15 points that keeps the fans intrigued. Cause I know that basically now that the warrior series is wrapped up and the finals don't start till next Thursday, we have almost 10 days as basketball fans to get something out of the Celtics heat series. So hopefully when we go back to Miami for heat game five, both of these teams can show up because that's been the problem. I think it's been so inconsistent on who shows up when Bam Adebayo was one of the bigger problems in the first few games in the series, because he just wasn't doing anything offensively. And then game three, he just went absolutely ballistic on the Celtics defense and they had no answer for him. And then game four, again, it's, it's, it's gone. So that's what I think that the Miami Heat have to be able to consistently replicate their offense. I know Tyler Hero being out is kind of a big deal because he's like, I think they're leading score in the regular season. So that's obviously a big deal for them. But on the other side of things, I think the Celtics are actually even more surprising at how inconsistent they are because Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown were so good against the Brooklyn Nets. They were so good against the Miami Milwaukee Bucks, not the Miami Bucks, but now against I thought was uh, inferior defense to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Heat are actually troubling Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a lot more than I would have expected. And Al Horford, he has been great this postseason. So he's actually been kind of that X factor, even with Marcus Smart out tonight, they were able to pull out a pretty good victory. But I just think that this series has shown that there are some cracks in both of these teams. And personally, the Celtics, especially, I think that, they have a lot more weaknesses than we thought coming out of the first two series because they just beat some of the bigger teams in the Eastern Conference. And I think that if they want to win a championship against the Warriors, they're going to have to clean those things up against the Heat in this series. Not saying that the Heat aren't winning this either because they have a full shot as well because they have home court. But just to wrap this all up, I personally think that the Celtics are going to, you know, put their foot on the gas pedal and close us out in six. That was my original prediction. So I'm going to stick with that because at the end of the day, I think the Celtics are going to treat game five as do or die because it basically is. If they lose that, then it's going to be really hard to win game seven at Miami. So that's why I'm going to pick is Celtics in six. Yeah, me too. I mean, we all picked the Celtics to win the series. Um, and I think the problem with, the series in general is that injuries have really kind of derailed uh, the entertainment of it a little bit. You know, M Marcus Smart has been in and out. Robert Williams has been in and out. Even Jason Tatum missed some time in game three. Um, and then Kyle Lowry was shaky coming into the series, and now Tyler Hero was out for game four. So it's been very back and forth, um, but in kind of a bad way because it's just constant blowouts other than, uh, you know, game three um, where Miami escaped a little bit. But I think that the Celtics still should win the series because despite all their flaws, but despite their best defender being out for, you know, a game and a half in the series, they're still winning ball games. Marcus Smart's loss tonight didn't seem to affect them. 
Um, Horford stepped up, Tatum stepped up in a big time. And like Sham said, in that bounce back game, Tatum is basically undefeated. He goes into God mode and he can average 30 in, in, you know, when, when after a loss. So I think they're a good enough team. They're a well-coached enough team to pull this out in six. The problem is, if this goes to seven, can they win in Miami twice? Because we know how important home court has been, you know, the, the last couple of series, you know, basically throughout the entire playoffs. So can the Celtics win it in seven? I think that they would prefer to finish it off in six because they don't want to fly back and forth to Miami twice. Um, and one more thing I want to say is that Bam out of bio. I mean, you don't remember last season during the playoffs we were talking about the Chris Middleton cycle. I think this year it's become the Bam out of bio cycle. He's just been the most up and down player um, for the Heat this season. I think he's their biggest X factor because when he plays well, they're a completely different team. But he's just been one of the most incons- inconsistent players this postseason. It's absolutely infuriating to watch because we know how high his ceiling and how high his potential is. Um, but offensively, he just can't seem to find a groove. And that's really holding this team back. Because when you have Tyler Hero out for this game and Bam Adebayo still doesn't show up, that is basically a guaranteed loss, barring like Jimmy Butler dropping 50 points because the Heat really thrive off of their depth, right? And when you don't have your two best players playing at a high level, it's almost a guaranteed loss. So Bam Adebayo, for the Heat to win the series, he really needs to step up and become almost their best player, I would say. Um, Not saying that he has to outperform Jimmy Butler statistically, but I think he really needs to pick it up because if he, when he's locked in offensively, they're a totally different animal. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the biggest key for Miami, but still sticking with Celtics in six because despite all the injuries, they've, they've still bounced back and they've overcome adversity. So I don't see if they're healthy, why they can't do it again. I'm going to take it up a notch. and I'm going to blatantly say that Bam Adebayo is just not like that guy. I think if, if, that, if that's the right kind of phrase to use, like I'm going to kind of like, like, I understand what you're saying, Rohan. I totally get it. But, like, Bam Adebayo is not as good as I think you or a lot of people are portraying him to be. I know the Miami Heat are the number one seed. And when you mention a guy like Bam Adebayo, you tend to think, like, okay, like, yeah, he's a, he's a solid double-double kind of guy. But, quite frankly, he's really not. Because this postseason, I've been realizing that he's only good when he doesn't have competition if that kind of makes sense, when Joel Embiid kind of came back and played in, um, in, the, in the Philly series, and then um, especially this series when Robert Williams has been there or not been there, you can see the difference in his numbers. And this series specifically, when Robert Williams was out that one game, uh, I think it was uh, game three in Boston, he absolutely ate 31 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, four steals. And when Robert Williams has played the other three games in game one, two, and of course today in game four, eight points per game, six rebounds per game, one assist per game and zero steals per game. Like that's absolutely like ridiculous. And it just shows that, you know, like he he's put in, what is it? The doghouse, if you will, uh, like how, how we've talked about on this podcast, like he absolutely gets shut down um, when I feel like there is another formidable enough big man to take him on. And I think that Bam Adebayo, like I, um, I'm, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself too much over here. You know, we really don't know who's going to win this series, but I genuinely believe that Bam Adebayo, he needs to break out of that shell where, where I do agree with you upon that, you know, he needs to break out of the shell and be a true number two option, um, on, on the heat. And I feel like I say that in a very loose way because Miami has never really had a true number one or true number two, because they kind of just tend to go with the hot hand every night. And I know that Jimmy Butler is, 
is blatantly the best overall player on the team and best, you know, leadership, whatever you want to say on all fronts, Jimmy Butler is the most important player on this team, but Bam Adebayo, he needs to, it's not that he is the second best player. He needs to start acting like it and playing like it because, you know, I still remember Rohan, how you called Miami bubble frauds like a, a long time ago. And, you know, I, I completely disagree with that statement because, you know, then we all kind of agreed, you know, the Lakers are the true bubble frauds um, in, in the, in the NBA playoffs, of course, but, you know, for Miami to kind of, you know, come to this point, it's formidable. It's great. It's respectable. But at this point in time, I think the reason that we all are still saying Celtics and six and we're, you know, we're screaming that from the rooftops is because we're just like, Miami is not as amazing. I want to say as people are making them out to be. And I know, I know that I feel like people that are listening to this podcast, I know that it's a very, very weird opinion because I know all three of us on this podcast agree with that take, I feel, for the most part. And I know there are people out there that are saying, hey, we're not giving Miami the credit they deserve or we're disrespecting Miami, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I understand how we, people would see that from that angle. But at the same time, it's just, it's just like, come on, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, the list kind of goes on. If I was to go down that list for, for the Miami Heat, we're going to start talking about Max Struess as a threat. Like, come on, like, let's put things into perspective. Again, I, I mean, no disrespect to Max Struess. I know that he can have yourself, you know, a decent amount of nights over here and there and Victor Oladipo, the guys, you know, he can get playing time here and there. Over here, I felt like today he kind of stat padded his numbers in a blowout loss. So for me, once again, I just feel that, you know, Miami doesn't have the star power to really keep up with Boston. They shouldn't when it comes down over here, down the stretch, you know, three games left in this series. If there was, if there is going to be a third game, of course. And I think that that's where, you know, I'm really going to agree with Yash over here. They need to really, my Boston really needs to kick it to that next gear that they had um, in the previous series, especially against um, Milwaukee. And I think that them sweeping the nets is just, you know, what what we can envision that to happen now you know now that it's already happened in hindsight we're like all right you know that that is they are that team they can do that so it's just a matter of staying healthy Marcus Smart getting on the floor Robert Williams hopefully not you know getting in and out of the lineup a whole lot and if Al Horford can start being a little bit more of an offensive threat then the series should be wraps in six for the most part so the part of that that I really disagree with is Bam Adebayo I think that I agree that he's had a really poor season from an offensive standpoint but I still think that Bam Adebayo even on like a bad day is a top five to six center in the league because defensively if he played enough games with Draymond Green being out I think he was the defensive player of the year de facto but he he like Draymond just didn't make that requirement so if you're consistently a part of the defensive player of the year conversation you're the best player on half of the game of basketball I think you're automatically an elite player at least offensively he can believe he, he can be really really good like Sean said when the defense isn't as strong but I don't think it's a factor of the defense I think it's a factor of him trying I think we say this a lot about Draymond we say this also a little bit about DeAndre Aiden if he puts his head down and tries it a little bit more he can be a dominant person in the paint he could maybe one day turn into a Joel Embiid offensively defensively he's there defensively he's probably better than him offensively obviously he's got a long long ways to go and I'm not saying that he's like even remotely close to Joel don't take it the wrong way but I think he has a skill set I think he has a talent and he is absolutely one of the best players I want to say like in the league best as in just kind of top 
30-ish if I want to incorporate Bam in that. I think that's a fair range to put him in because he's a young player at that as well. Yeah, bigs usually take a couple more years to fully develop. He's reaching the year four or five-ish mark. I'm not exactly sure. Is but you're five. So he's you're five. He'll, okay. He'll be in year six next year. Okay, so I, I I do think that he'll be entering his prime relatively soon. So we should see what Bam Adebayo is really going to be in his career relatively in, in the next couple of years. But I think that if he can turn his offensive game around, there's like really nothing that I want to like critique him for. This postseason, though, I agree with Sham. He's been very inconsistent. And that one game he had against the Celtics was great. But other than that, he's been a no-show nearly every game because he was like averaging, I think, four points at one point, which is kind of embarrassing for a guy who's making so much money and who's basically arguably the second or third option on offense because I would argue that Tyler Hero is number two and then Bam is number three, at least on offense. Yeah, I, I concur with Yash. I think his potential is sky high, but it's just whether he can really come into form, you know, and like Yash said, he's entering his prime, so these next couple of years are going to be key. Uh, but, you know, getting back to the series, I think that the key, like I said, for Miami, I think it's got to be Bam's presence. I think he needs to step up and Tyler Hero needs to be a little bit more consistent because I think Jimmy Butler is basically doing all he can, you know, other than tonight, basically, he's been pretty good the entire series. But for the Celtics, I think it's just health. If they just stay healthy, which is, you know, obviously the hardest part because they've had so many guys in and out of the lineup. The Celtics trainer must be some kind of God because he got Marcus Smart and Justin Tatum back in game three within like a 15 minute span, um, both of them. And they basically both had like almost back-to-back injuries in this, in that second quarter, I believe. So uh, it's just health for me because on paper, they are the better team. I think that they are better offensively. We've already said this, despite Miami having the elite perimeter defense uh, defense. But if they can just stay healthy, I think that we saw what Tatum did tonight, right? You know, there's games where he's completely on and that one game, game three, I think it's just an anomaly because he's been that guy the entire year. He was top five in MVP voting on, on MVP candidate, honestly. So um, I think he's that he's that guy for sure. And I think he's going to take the Celtics to the promised land. And he's what? He's still 23. So if you're a Celtics fan, this is a lot to be you know grateful for and looking forward to. Um, if they can just step it up these next two games, I think it'll be perfect. And I'm still sticking with Celtics in six for sure. Yeah, and I think in the back of our head, we all are just kind of, you know, rooting a little bit for that Celtics-Warriors matchup. I just feel it would just be so, so like, very fair, even kind of, like, nice backcourts. And, like, you know, I I, I, exactly. I just like that kind of matchup. But, like, the narrative, of course, if, if Miami was to make it, it's like, you know, you have the narrative, like, Kyle Lowry against the uh, against the Warriors once again. Or you even have, like, Jimmy Butler against Andrew Wiggins. You know, that that's a, that's a fun storyline to kind of keep an eye on as well. But, you know, it's going to be interesting regardless of how it pans out, because I think that we all are going to have our, our eyes glued to the TV because all that we hear is that there's going to be a little bit of blue and a little bit of gold on the TV um, when the NBA Finals are, are playing. Sean, so. Sean acting like he's a Warriors <laughs> fan now? Hey, I'm on the bandwagon? I'm in. It's, hey, hey hop on, I, hop on. Okay, see, man. Okay, see. Just give him a couple seasons. It's going to be fine. But for now, you know, I think repping, finally conforming to repping like my hometown Kind of think I think it's kind of reached up to me. I'm just too lazy to you know find another team to kind of root for in the postseason that's something uh, good lazy, enough to give me. Lazy. That's <laughs> give what me they a all formidable say. like I, yeah. I'm just being honest. Look at look at the postseason this year, and I could not find a team that I was like, oh my god, like no one's taking down Golden State because the Suns just absolutely crashed and burned, 
And I felt like that would have been a great Western Conference Finals. But I think that, you know, Golden State still would have won that. But, you know, ultimately, there's respect over there. I'll say that as a least. You know how Luca said it, too. You know, he respects the Warriors are playing good basketball. Tough to hate on that. You know, at that point in time, you just have to accept it. You know, I've accepted the fact that Kevin Durant was once a Warrior. He's now won his rings. And now at this point in time, you know, let Andrew Wiggins get his. I don't, I don't really care about Jordan Poole. You got time, all right? He got time, but. We'll see how everything kind of pans out over there. But, you know, that's that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the Pod. Of course, we're going to revisit this once the Celtics and the Heat um, hopefully, you know, concludes by that game six. If not, I'm sure we will revisit it. If there is a game seven, um, obviously we're going to be rooting for something uh, over here down the stretch. But until then, probably the next time we speak, guys, Golden State is for sure probably going to be in the NBA Finals. That's for sure. But it's going to matter of, who are they going to play? So exciting stuff um, moving forward in the coming weeks. And that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more. Sham Ramachandran signing off with Yash Doshi and Rohan Naranjan.